Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. No! She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails... I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. Good evening and welcome to television. Hello. Hello. Hey. hey. Oh. Whoa. Whoa. I'm Wayne Stellini and welcome to Fredwatch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. Joining me on this fearsome Friday is the one and only Kendall Richardson. Hello, good to be here again for yeah. another spooky occasion. Oh, I can't do them without you, Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, your presence always makes these podcasts a little bit easier for me a little good. less scary good things go bump in the night you know yes, that sort do. of thing we don't want to be alone during these times no not at all because who knows what they might lead to yeah maybe some scary nightmares <laughs> maybe maybe so where do you sit on the side of nightmares i mean everyone loves to dream mm. but do you love a good nightmare or is it too intense for you oh yeah i think some of them do get a bit intense because they feel real when mm-hmm. you're in them. Like, it's real for you, you know? Absolutely. And, yeah, the mm-hmm. amount of times I've had, like, you know, little micro sleeps when you're trying to fall asleep mm-hmm. and then you, you'll, you're, you'll start to kind of dream a little and then you'll, like, fall or something and then you wake yourself up and you've had that sensation and it just creeps you out. And then just, you know, other terrifying things like, you know, death and destruction and, <laughs> and aliens from outer space attacking Ooh. like i've had yeah I, i've never had an alien dream oh when i was when i was a kid i had i specifically remember a dream where the aliens from independence day had invaded <laughs> <laughs> and one of them came into my bedroom wow. and i just remember it walking through my bedroom door and wow. I, I would have been like nine years old maybe at 10 years old, something like that. Gosh, that would have been terrifying. It was so terrifying. <laughs> Thank God, mum and dad did not show me Alien <laughs> and introduce me to Xenomorphs until I was in high school. Hey. That would have been a different story. Parenting done right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I love having nightmares. I really enjoy them. Oh, dude. The only exception is if they involve family or friends. That's... If I'm in peril, oh, yeah. I love them so much. You like the, like the adrenaline rush? Well, of? you know what I love? It's similar to my experience with watching and enjoying horror movies. Okay. With a nightmare, I love that moment that I wake up and I realize I'm safe. Okay. And then my number one priority is to shut my eyes and try to go back in there. Oh my god, no. Yes. I can't. And I love horror movies, but I can't do that. And I never and I and obviously like like even a sweet dream, you yep. just can never go back cuz no. your consciousness has stopped. Yeah. It's interesting you talked about a childhood nightmare you had based on a movie. Yeah. So, when I was a kid about primary school age, 
uh, one of my favorite movies is what is regarded as one of the worst movies of all time. <laughs> But I will tell you now, mm. I hold an extremely soft spot for this piece of trash. <laughs> Like, it's horrendous, right? <laughs> I can't it wait is, to find out what it is. It is horrendous. <laughs> horrendous, okay. And it's like a rip-off of about, you know, four or five different movies <laughs> all thrown into one. Mm -hmm. But it's an obscure movie, which I will bring to the table one day, Kendall. Oh, please do. I will, because I can't wait to hear you or some of our other reviewers at Fred Watch just tear it to pieces <laughs> while I'm there in my corner waving a flag saying, yay, team. <laughs> How much I love this piece of oh, shit. Oh, wow. I really okay. enjoy it, right? I love this. But at the same time, admitting that it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. the movie itself is called You're the Hunter from the Future. And oh. it is this fantasy, sci-fi, you know, melodrama with dinosaurs. And the Oof. hero looks like He-Man. And yeah, wow. there's cave people. And it's just, it's bizarre. <laughs> and of course, it's based on a comic book. Okay. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. but I loved it as a kid and I still love it as an adult. Oh, cool. And there's a lot of different tribes and groups that our hero, Yor, has to go up against. Mm -hmm. And one of the recurring groups of villains are these bluish purple cavemen. Right. So their skin is like bluish purple and they're covered in really intense black fur and hair. Really scary stuff. Mm. And I remember having a nightmare about the leader of these cave people. And I remember it distinctively because it is the only nightmare that I can ever remember literally jolting upright and losing my breath wow. when I woke up, like how you see in the movies. Yeah. It's the only time I ever remember doing that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So this is how much I love this film. I was so invested in the good guys and bad guys, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, yes, you know, Fred, watch that reviews mainstream and obscure. Your is quite obscure. Yeah, I've but never heard of it. lovers of trashy, bad movies know your and you'll find it on imdb's like list of worst movies of all time it oh my will goodness. it will often appear yeah so okay. and uh, that and they talk about the american cut because it's actually an italian movie oh. or mini series that went for quite a few hours oh, wow. and it was cut down to an 89 minute movie hmm. uh, with english dubbing oh. <laughs> oh, okay. i'm selling it to you aren't i yeah yes yeah yes, so um yes. as much as i have always loved this film It once gave me an epic nightmare. Wow. That's <laughs> insane. I love it. But yes, but I, and I think just because I'm a storyteller, I think anything that is an intriguing or interesting or scary story is really fascinating to mm. me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where I sit nice. on nightmares. Good. So, and you know, I know that you love a good story too. I do. So some, some nightmares are okay for you. Some, some nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Some nightmares. Well, yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, it, it is kind of funny that something that isn't real can terrify you so much. Absolutely. Like to the point where you think it's real, even though you weren't, it, you like you were, you were somewhere else Yeah. in your mind, you know? And then, but yeah, every time I wake up from a nightmare, even especially now that I live alone, mm. 
I just I'm I'm like panicked for the first like five minutes afterwards. Of course, it takes me a while to come. <laughs> yes, but it does fascinate me that we can go to these places in our sleep and absolutely and just you know create worlds and and whether they're good or bad. It just it's such a fascinating part of the human experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and you know what? Speaking about nightmares and the human experience. Mm. Today we're reviewing the movie that gave us the man who's been haunting our dreams since 1984. It's a nightmare in Elm Street. Please explain. In the town of Springwood, Ohio, four teenagers, Nancy, Heather Langenkamp, Glenn, Johnny Depp, Tina, Amanda Weiss, and Rod, J. Sue Garcia, credited as Nick Corey, have their dreams invaded by a severely burnt man with a bladed leather glove. They learn that he is the deceased child murderer, Fred Krueger, Robert England, and that their dreamlike injuries translate to real life. Nancy must kill Fred to stop him once and for all. One of the first films to be produced and distributed by New Line Cinema, Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street introduced the horror genre to who would become one of the most iconic figures in popular culture. But Kendall... Will you sleep again, having experienced a nightmare on Elm Street? <laughs> mm, that is the million dollar question. Because, Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm really glad that I finally, finally watched this now. <laughs> another, another iconic classic film to tick off the list, especially <laughs> of the horror genre. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's definitely very creepy, mm. very unsettling. Tamed by today's standards, obviously, yeah. but I can totally see why, you know, teenagers and, and young, young adults in, in the 80s would have lost their minds over this. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, completely. My favorite kind of, hor- like, go-to horror films are really ones that have a supernatural or fantastical kind of element to them. Right. So, I've always loved the concept of Freddy because it's a horror villain you really can't escape from no because we have to sleep absolutely we'll die if we don't sleep and yep. that's that the human body cannot stay awake for forever no so the fact that he's virtually inescapable mm. uh, just as an I- general idea going into it is is awesome it's an interesting concept to introduce into the horror genre considering that at this point in the span of horror movies, slashers are the go-to. Mm, mm-hmm. And really about the mid-80s, they're starting to wear a little bit thin in terms of favor from audiences. Sure. So whilst this is a supernatural fantasy, at heart, it's a slasher movie. So they've actually done something quite clever mm. by still using the core elements of what makes a good slasher movie, but upping the ante. Because as you yeah. said, we all need to sleep. We all need to rest. Mm-hmm. We all need to recuperate from the day. And that's just a normal existence, let yeah. alone if you're trying to escape this figure in your <laughs> dreams. Yeah. It's exhausting stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and also in the meantime, you're then trying to convince the adults in your life, as well as some of your peers, mm. that you're not going crazy. That this is something legitimate to be afraid of and one of the best things to do when you're a little unwell or fearful or concerned is to sleep and rest Mm. it's catch 22 for these kids so the stakes are always high yeah and i like the way that the film plays out is that you think you're in a reality 
until you realize it's a dream. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so and sometimes the, the dreams are very distinctive. Like you can tell when it's a dream. The mm-hmm. score is quite beautiful. It's sometimes even framed in a different way or I don't know, the, just the, the visual looks a little bit different. It, yeah. it does have a dream essence to it. Yeah, for sure. But not always. And I think that that's when the film works best because you don't know the distinct moment that it goes from reality to dream. But it doesn't matter. No, no. Yeah. No. So overall, we've got these group of kids who are trying to escape a killer who is the way he is because some parents decided to murder him yeah. for murdering children. Yeah. So it's, it's a very much a, a full circle. You know, what goes around comes around. It seems like this unending loop really yeah you kill children we'll kill you well i'll kill your children and yeah. you know and of course you know when we're asleep we're at our most vulnerable mm-hmm. and a parent's instinct is to protect a child yeah but you can't <laughs> do that when they're dreaming no so again the stakes are always high mm-hmm. so the overall concept kendall initial thoughts before we delve a bit deeper into where the brilliant Wes Craven came up with this idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I love I love the way that constantly throughout the film you're being reminded by the dialogue the parents have. Like, mm. you need to get some rest, you need to get some sleep. And yeah. they're, they're begging their parents, well, mostly Nancy, begging mm. her mother in particular and her dad, just, you know, I can't sleep, he's going to get me if I sleep, like, it's not safe, you know, you need to be looking out for me and stuff. So it's just... Yeah, it's it's. I love the way it kind of heightens the film mm. tension and stuff, and, and like you you've said as well, the stakes yeah. are consistently high throughout this film, and they kind of just get higher and higher as it goes along, as more people start dying, and you know, and Nancy just seems crazier and crazier <laughs> because she's not sleeping, absolutely, but she's not sleeping for a reason. So it's it's just I love the way everything kind of feeds off each other, yeah. really nicely, absolutely. Yeah, Wes Craven's discussed the inspiration for A Nightmare on Elm Street numerous times. Mm. So I'm just going to read off IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. They are the, the mecca of, of all movie knowledge. They are they are the go-to. And they actually <laughs> summarize it quite succinctly. But Wes Craven first came up with the premise from a series of articles in the Los Angeles Times over a three-year period about a group of Southeast Asian refugees, several of whom died in the throes of horrific nightmares. Mm. The group had come to the U.S. to escape the murderous reign of Pol Pot, and within a year of arriving, three men had died all in similar situations. So that is, a young, otherwise healthy man would have a nightmare, then refuse to sleep for as long as he could. When he finally fell asleep from exhaustion, he awoke screaming, then died. And autopsy results revealed that these men had not died from heart failure, but had simply died. It was this inability to find a cause of death that intrigued Wes Craven, and medical authorities have since called the phenomenon Asian Death Syndrome, oh. which is a variant of sudden unexpected death syndrome. Yeah. Terrifying stuff. Very terrifying. Yeah, and I could see for somebody who enjoys writing scary stories, because we've known Wes Craven before this from mm-hmm. Last House on the Left mm-hmm. and The Hills Have Eyes, mm-hmm. and he also helped out a little bit with the original Friday the 13th. Oh, did he? Yes, and oh. side note, in tone, um, Sean S. Cunningham helped out a little bit with this as well, oh, I love which that. is really sweet. That's very nice. Um, but you can see how a premise like that would trigger inspiration for somebody mm. who is really talented 
at telling unsettling and unnerving scary stories because Last House on the Left and The Hills Have Eyes both incredibly unsettling and unnerving. Yeah. Yeah. So I just love, for lack of a better word, how there's this bit of reality that's at the core of this story and it kind of makes it that little bit scarier. It does because we don't know... Like, we all fear the unknown. Absolutely. Regardless of the context. Mm. So we don't know what these men were were dreaming, if they were dreaming or what nightmares they were having yes. before they suddenly died. Yeah. And that's just really intense and uh, awful to think about. Absolutely. Especially yeah. because they've come from such trauma, oh, intense yeah. trauma. Yeah. So we can only draw that that's where their you know nightmares was coming from yeah yeah and you know don't want to even imagine what they've been through so it is interesting that craven then subverts the idea of trauma and has somebody who has gone through a traumatic experience yeah because being burnt alive is a traumatic experience (laughs) right and you know we look we we're gonna put aside judgments of whether fred krueger deserves the fate that he got, mm-hmm. but Craven subverts that yeah. and turns trauma into revenge. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we don't really learn this until pretty much towards the end, mm-hmm. when Nancy's mother is saying, "Well, this is who Fred Krueger was. Mm-hmm. This is what I did to him." She actually says, even though that there was a group of them who yeah. burnt down his house, yeah. she says essentially that she killed him Mm. and she has his glove as that sort of memento uh, which people who kill others sometimes do they'll keep a souvenir from their victims absolutely they do yeah Yeah. it's interesting that here really none of the adults seem all that innocent no and a lot of the parents are also quite disengaged Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. from their kids and and from their kids reality but yet as always it's the innocent who now have to pay for the sins of the mother and father yeah so there's quite a bit of poetry in in the subtext of a nightmare on elm street definitely at the center of this nightmare is robert england as Fred Krueger. <laughs> so Wes Craven named the character after a schoolmate who had bullied him for several years. Oh, that's great. And Freddy's actual appearance was inspired by a homeless man that Craven saw staring at him through his window one day when he was 10 years old. Oh, my word. So that's kind of the hat in the jumper. Yeah. And the face I comes from yeah. Bones' victim, like actual photos of Bones' victims. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So there's drawing on all of these different elements that have been quite confronting wow. to Wes Craven. Well, write what you know. Absolutely. And he's <laughs> put it into this real scary figure. Yeah. But your thoughts on Robert England as Fred Krueger? Oh yeah, no, I love Robert England. He's he's so he's so wonderful, and I was very very excited to to, to see his original iteration of mm. Freddy Krueger. Or should I say Fred Krueger? Absolutely. In this in this one, <laughs> but um yeah, he's just he doesn't he's not an imposing figure. No, you know and. If not to compare him to any other horror icons or horror villains, but he's you know he's very slender, small in stature compared to others, yeah. you know, and and just you know doesn't carve an imposing kind of figure, an intimidating yeah. figure, right? But it's the way he uses what he's got. Mm. It's his menacing nature 
it's just the whole thing he makes it work so well he's just he's just phenomenal and you really you really believe the fact that he's just evil and he's just he just wants to you know inflict harm and and kill and as many kids as he can and it's just it's terrifying and when you strip it down to brass tacks it's very terrifying absolutely yeah. and there is this intense joy and almost playfulness giddiness that he yeah. has from tormenting these kids mm-hmm. and his look i like that for most of the the film he's in shadows we do mm. get close-ups of his face but it's still lit darkly right yeah, it is. and it could just also be because maybe there wasn't such great confidence in the work they had done or maybe it didn't look so great yeah. that they were a less is more approach sure. kind of like the shark in jaws they're like oh not sure if this shark is going to be too convincing so mm-hmm. let's not show him yeah. <laughs> right mm-hmm. needless to say it worked for that movie yeah. <laughs> but i think it works for this one too yeah there yeah. are some again for lack of a better word lovely close-ups of his mouth mm-hmm. these blackened teeth mm-hmm. and these intense bones and these sort of chipped away ears mm, it's mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's it's all very gnarly and yeah really confronting stuff yeah mm-hmm. yeah so in terms of the character himself in the original script so freddie was a child molester mm, so wow. it was actually specified that that was his crime okay. but here they've changed it to murderer, murderer okay. but i've always sort of gone well people who harm children that way tend to have other depravities associated yeah, with it sure. but they've definitely not wanted to go down that track okay. at least for this movie okay yeah, yeah right. um, they'll explore that later on right oh wow okay so it's interesting that they're really conscious about how they want their villain to be mm-hmm. so i think there's this idea of that maybe we almost want to cheer for the villain in some regards. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he's a man of a few words. Yeah, that's true. But what he does say, as you said so beautifully, there is a giddiness mm-hmm. to his taunting. Yeah, yeah. We're sensing a bit of a personality there that he's getting this thrill from scaring these kids. Mm-hmm. And we learn, especially towards the end, that, well, I guess he needs that because that fearfulness the energy they're offering to Kruger Mm -hmm. is what fuels him. Mm -hmm. So I find that really interesting from a character's point of view as well. Also interesting, he's on screen for around seven minutes Really, in total. Is that all it is? It does not feel that way. No, it feels like a lot more than seven minutes. Yeah. Holy cow. And it says, again, a lot about Robert England's performance. That does. Because you're right, he's not an imposing figure, Mm. but he makes his presence known. Mm -hmm. And there's a few great jump scares there as well. (laughs) (laughs) There's a a lot of really good ones. You know, one of my favorite little moments, like it's it's kind of a subtle scare Mm. more than a jump scare, but there was one point when, when Nancy had gone down like she's down in the basement of her house but then she goes further down yeah into the you know kind of boiler room yeah kind of thing going on yeah and there's this one shot like where you you know you get one of those really good close-ups of freddie and then it cuts back to nancy and then you see in the foreground there's you know a pipe in <laughs> yeah front, right and then it looks normal. And then you're looking at her face and then out of nowhere, it's Freddie's hand and it moves <laughs> and, and like slinks yes. off, off camera and she misses it. 
Absolutely. I loved that. It's such a great shot. Yeah, it was awesome. It's interesting, though, that I think a lot of the more classic shots in this film revolve that glove. Yeah. The scene in the bathtub. Yeah, right. yeah. I for not having not seen this movie for years, that shot mm. is one that's always mentioned in yeah. like top ten horror movies or mm-hmm. top ten horror moments in horror movies, like stuff like it's it's the iconic shot, I think. Oh, absolutely. Because it's it's scary. Yeah. Because not only is she, as we learn, asleep. Mm. For Freddie to be there, she needs to be, be asleep. asleep. Yeah. But also she's naked in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. So it's adding to that vulnerability and where the hand appears yeah between her legs yeah yeah. again it's adding this really sinister creepy overtones Mm -hmm. and this is the type of stuff that kruger relishes Mm. you know gets his kicks that way yeah but speaking of Nancy, mm-hmm. Heather Langenkamp. Yes. What are your thoughts of our final girl? Oh, goodness. I have a lot of thoughts. Mm. Um, yeah. Look, she grew on me. I was not sure how I felt about her for most of the film. Yeah. I'll be honest. I didn't really think her performance was totally on the level or totally there. Yeah. Like, and I don't know. And I, and I, look, I'm not going to blame Wes Craven for that because no. it's Wes freaking Craven. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, even back in the early eighties, like mm-hmm. that's, you know, you know, but so he's, he's wonderful, but yeah, for some reason the di- like the dialogue she was given was great. Like I really liked the dialogue of the mm-hmm. film. Like it was, it was very well written and really nice to see a horror, f- not to go on a tangent, but really nice to see a horror film, you know, from the eighties that's just not not just cheesy kind of mm. or like you know not 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 too just one dimensional one note sort of yeah. stuff it was just really nicely written yeah um, well it's reflective of craven himself yeah. who does invest in his characters yeah so even in the real grungy and grittiness of last house on the left there's still this emphasis on characters yeah and that way their actions their reactions what happens to them and what they're doing Mm -hmm. has more of an impact and this film specifically devotes a lot of time to the character development and exploring these characters and the dynamics between the characters yeah yeah Um, yeah. i'm not always sure if it works the way intended for me but i'll elaborate on that a little bit later yeah but yeah i agree with you um, to go on my own tangent there, is that <laughs> I, I agree. I think that for me, Heather Langenkamp is a bit inconsistent. It's a, there, There's a bit of unevenness in her performance, and I can't say it's the dialogue. No. It, it isn't. It's not. Um, no. I do wonder if maybe it was the way that Craven had... What, like She's performing how Craven wanted her to perform, essentially. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But in saying that, actors either have it or they don't. That's that's true. You know what I mean? And, you know, and, and also, you know, certain artists don't mm. just don't work well together. Yeah. You can't get always get the same performance out of yeah. everyone, just regardless of the skill set. Yeah. So... Um, I, I feel like when Nancy was in the greatest of duress mm. in the real world mm. like especially arguing with her parents more than anyone else yeah for me it was a bit over the top it, it did get yeah there was a lot of moments performed moments that were over the top yeah not just by nancy but a few of the other some cast of the others yeah as well but we'll get to them as we go along but but yeah no she she just yeah for me she wasn't fully there i didn't really like uh, a lot of her her delivery on the dialogue Mm. and a lot of the time her face did not match what she was saying for me yeah i kind of felt she she doesn't really have a very expressive face Mm. i don't think and 
you know, I don't know if that's just, you know, the way she is or she's just obviously was very young back then and, and, and just not as skilled. But by the end of the film, I was like, okay, look, you know, you had some, you have had some pretty good moments. You've mm. redeemed yourself a little bit. But overall, I think, yeah, it would have been nice to have someone who was a little bit more convincing, yeah. I think, for certain moments of this film. Right. Well, maybe let's recast the role of Nancy. Ooh. So she did beat out a few familiar names. Oh, okay. Yes, please tell me them. Before they were overly familiar. Yeah, okay. Um, so Jennifer Grey. Oh, that would have been cool. Demi Moore. <laughs> wow, okay. Yep. Awesome. Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox. <laughs> My God. Yep. <laughs> wow. All early on in their careers. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen any of them. Yeah. <laughs> in this role. That Courtney Cox would have to wait a while to be in a Wes Craven horror movie. She would, yes. wouldn't she? <laughs> and she would absolutely nail it. And yep. I think <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The wait, the wait is worth it. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, she bided her time for a good reason. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, look, overall, whilst I yeah, do find Heather's performance um, uneven for me, Overall, she's a likable screen presence, I think. I think she does look like the everyday, all-American teenage girl. She does, And I think when she gets it right, Mm. she really gets it right. I agree, yeah. And I feel like she gets it right mostly is when she's with her peers, with the other kids. For me, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when I feel like I'm on on point and on par with Nancy in that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luckily, and she's with her peers mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot. And yes. she's got her neighbor slash would-be boyfriend, maybe boyfriend. Yeah. Un- undecided. <laughs> undecided, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sensing their, their boyfriend and girlfriend. but so. But she's just, she's stressed out. She's distracted. She's got other priorities at the moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we have the incredibly handsome. Or as Wes Craven's daughter had called him at the time and helped convince Wes Craven to cast him, Mm. Dreamy, Mm -hmm. Johnny Depp Mm -hmm. as Glenn, (laughs) in his film debut. Yes, I know. He even had the little introducing title card with his name. He did. He beat out Charlie Sheen. And Charlie Sheen was quite interested, but wow. they could not afford him. He was sort of asking prices too much. Fair enough, yeah. He also beat out John Cusack. <laughs> Brad Pitt. Oh, shit. I will, that would have been interesting. Absolutely. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland. Wow. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and C. Thomas Howell. Wow. All of these guys were considered for the role. But yeah, what a good run of names. Absolutely. Great selection. Yeah. All would have done well. All would have delivered a really different take on it but yeah it's johnny depp it's johnny depp <laughs> dreamy indeed mm, absolutely you're not having nightmares and he's around no absolutely <laughs> so overall what were your thoughts on johnny's film debut yeah and the character of glenn yes yes johnny as glenn i look i'm gonna try and be unbiased about it because <laughs> i i'm a fan of his mm. he went on to do some incredible work over the years just supremely talented and I feel you can see that that his talent shining super clearly in this yeah he's clearly the standout of the entire cast yeah adults and high schoolers alike I think Mm. he's just he you can see the the just supernatural uh screen presence that he has he just the camera loves him Mm. he just I don't know delivered his dialogue so naturally it just all fit really well together and you know what Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm calling out the entire cast here. He reacted the best yeah. 
to what was happening around him mm-hmm. way more than anyone else. Yeah. Like that was the one of the other things that shat me off <laughs> early off and early on in the film <laughs> about Heather Langenkamp's performance is that when they walk in and Tina is dead on the floor. <laughs> she took it pretty well. <laughs> she did. So, Best friend, I, th- I don't know. Maybe Noemi, not that close. But you know, they walk in, and and, and, jo- and Johnny as Glenn is immediately up against the door frame, Absolute. holding on. Yeah, you can see the shock on his face, even though he's not completely in focus. No, it's great. And then Heather just kind of walks in slowly with that same fucking look on her face, <laughs> just, and just you know, and then like, and then I don't know what she was trying to express. Yeah, it was strange. To yeah, me. but Johnny was just nailing it, and then not to skip ahead to his demise, but his reaction to being pulled under like that yeah. was just awesome, and it really helps to sell the the. It's such a fantastical scene. Yeah. But it really helped to, to ground it and sell it. Absolutely. He was phenomenal. You felt it. the terror. You really did. Yeah. Really and did. and just overall, the character of Glenn as this boyfriend who keeps getting the cold shoulder, because again, Nancy's got other priorities and we yeah, can understand that. we can. But, you know, again, for like an 80s movie, for a jock, there's sensitivity there. Yeah. Like he genuinely cares. Mm-hmm. And there's some really lovely banter when we meet the four kids at the beginning. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Especially yeah. between, you know, Glenn and Rod. Because mm-hmm. they're both sort of like, you know, hello, macho and rah, yeah, rah, yeah. Rah. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> but you get little nuances to mm-hmm. their to their personalities and their characters there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just yeah, I adore Johnny Depp in this. And, yeah. and I like the character of Glenn as well. I yeah, just think he's great. There's something wholesome about him. Mm. A similar to Heather, just the aesthetic, very all-American. Yeah. Um, you know, he just seems like just the average teenage boy, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. the popular kid at high school, but it hasn't really gone to his head. No, no. Like he seems quite down to earth, unfazed by things and charming to boot. Like, you know, he's, yeah. he's just a very well-rounded character in the way the, in the way he's written and the way Johnny gives his performances just encapsulates the whole thing perfectly. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. He was... Yeah, he was on. He was up, you know, here. This is an audio medium. Anyway, he was up here, <laughs> and everyone else was like, you know, stories below. Yeah, I think you can, as you've said, you can see where his career was going For sure. from. Like as a debut, incredibly impressive. Mm-hmm. Because even some of our most polished and highly acclaimed movie stars mm. and well-respected actors. When you see them early on, you're like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, some <laughs> of them. There's yeah. no way. But you can see it right here. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. a supporting role. It's not that major, but he makes a lot out of it. I, I do feel like there's an emphasis on characters, as we said before. For sure. And you have to sort of look at the nuances to get a bit more in depth with them because mm-hmm. I don't think they're just two dimensional cardboard cutouts. I no. think there's more to them, yeah. but you know, some have a lot more screen time and material to work with, mm-hmm. but I think it would have been easy to just relegate Glenn as the himbo boyfriend oh, type thing. They, yeah. Anything but that. Yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Well, look, well enough written character, but I think the best parts about him come from the actor. For sure. Yeah. yeah agree. Yeah. So one of the other friends who doesn't get as much screen time is Tina. No, oh, it's poor Tina. Played by Amanda Weiss. <laughs> 
I have to say, I really like Tina. I liked her. I liked her too. Yeah. Um, I liked her more than I, I liked Nancy, mm. just in terms of consistency, I think. I agree. The only problem I have with Tina is her running. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I, 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 I kind of reconcile that with the fact that she was dreaming yeah. and she's in Freddie's space. So, you know, yeah. maybe that explains the fact that she's barely running to get away from him. Sort it, of thing. Look, it wasn't even a power walk. No, it was barely, <laughs> it was barely anything. It was, like, she's selling it on her face, but she's not with her body no, at all. No, no. Yeah. Maybe that's like a budgetary limitation. They're like, Maybe. Amanda, this set just ain't big enough. You've yeah, got yeah, all of this to yeah. deliver. <laughs> she did. If that's what she had to work with, then, you know, props to her. I think she did a good job considering. She did. She did. Yeah. No, I really like Tina. Um, yeah. Her death scene was very well executed mm. and very shocking. Yeah. And you felt felt terrible for her, and especially because the way Rod was just sitting yeah. on the ground, paralyzed with fear, I reckon. Because I'm yeah. just like, why aren't you trying to wake her up or anything? Yeah. And he, I think he was just in shock. And you believe it. You do. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, really, you really, really do. But I feel so bad for her that she's only in, like, you know, a third of the movie, mm. if that. Yeah. You know? Um, and she does well with the screen time she has. But, um, yeah, but, I think yeah. so too. And she sells that death scene a lot. Like yeah. the, just the audio on that, mm. you know, just her, you know, we can't see her face because she's being thrown around a room the whole time yeah. and she's covered in blood. Yeah. But just the uh, voice acting. Oh, it was great. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. A lot of work you can tell goes into that particular scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's just done so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to give Amanda a lot of credit for that, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think she's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, look, when you're in a horror movie, especially if you're not the final guy or girl, mm. the number one thing you want to know is how will I die? Yeah. Because that's the fun bit, right? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. And she sells it oh, yeah. so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like Amanda Weiss in this. I think she's... She's excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Tina is a, is a really likable character Very too. Very likable. Yeah. yeah. Like all of these kids do feel real, mm, I have to say, do, just yeah. off the bat. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And rounding up the foursome is Rod, mm. played by Jesu Garcia, mm-hmm. going under the name of Nick Corey at the time. Yes. But Mr. Garcia yes. sort of has this look about him that says, no, Tina's parents don't approve. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I'm sure Tina is attracted to him. Yeah. And now look, Tina is 15. It's specified in that news report. It is. And Rod looks just a little bit older. So there's a very, you know, bad boy, rebel. And Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think it would fly these days. No. But back in the day, you know. A little bit. uh, Yeah, he was like the ideal boy for a high school girl, right? (laughs) For all the cool girls. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Girls love the bad boys, right? They do. You know, that's the stereotype. They do. And I really love the way that that Wes Craven wrote that, I guess, parallel with her mum and her boyfriend. Yes. Because that's clearly not her dad. No. Like, it could be some random hookup or it could be a boyfriend (laughs) or something, but just... It was that one brief scene where you see him and mm. the, you know, the line he gives about getting back to the sack. <laughs> did just such a really effective job of communicating yeah. that he's not good for her. Absolutely. And even though the mum is being strict with Tina, 
Tina is still taking after her mum. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe and going after Rod because he's, you know, well, my mum can date bad boys and I'm going to as well. But you still se- you do sense, though, mm. that Rod is just a nicer guy than um, mm. her oh, mum's boyfriend, right? Definitely, definitely. But you, you, I don't think you get that straight away. No, no, yeah. definitely not. No. I think you get it from pretty much from Tina's death onwards, really. Because yeah. you could argue, yes, he's behaving in a certain way because he's on the run for mm-hmm. a crime he didn't commit. Yeah. But when he reflects on what he saw, when he's telling Nancy about it, you sense that it's not just coming out of his own fear because no one will believe him that he's innocent, mm-hmm. but that he genuinely cared about her and that it yeah. was a really traumatic experience. Yeah, the way yeah. he calls out and cries out to her mm. when she's slammed up against the ceiling, mm. that's a genuine reaction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I, I love Jesu in this. Oh, I me think too. he's amazing me in this. Too. Yeah. yeah, he was, he was, he was very, very yeah. good. It's got the great look for it too. So well cast yeah. for like that sort of rebellious older bad boy type Definitely. image yeah. yeah he fits it perfectly yeah he's mm. a very typical lad mm. <laughs> yeah yes well yeah it was actually his film debut as well he'd oh. done a bit of tv before before this but this was his first film oh nice and um yeah he beat out ralph macchio oh no way <laughs> <laughs> yes so ralph was actually considered for the role that's yeah. wow that would have been interesting yes. as well i'm glad they cast jc because he does look older and he's taller oh yeah so he's got that imposing yeah. sort of um strong man look about him well yeah yeah because like yeah ralph macchio back then would not have no not, <laughs> not have fully embodied what they were after i think no not at all uh, were there any other of the of the characters that stood out to you at all well just as a quick aside i really Love the fact that uh, Lynn Shay is in this, just for yeah. one brief moment. <laughs> Horror icon Lynn Shay, mm. um, who I was introduced to in the uh, Insidious movies, right. which she's very good in those. Um, so it was really nice to see a young a young Lynn. Uh, <laughs> and she's really good in that, that one scene as the teacher. I really liked her. Yeah. Her, and talking about Shakespeare as well. I'm always <laughs> here for that. Absolutely. Yes. But the you know the main other character I I really want to discuss with you Wayne mm-hmm. is Marge. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy's mother Marge. Yes. Yes. So yeah, she's she's an interesting one. <laughs> I don't know your thoughts on Ronnie Blakely's performance. But mm. Talk about uneven. <laughs> I yeah. did not. I didn't like the character. No. Neither. I didn't like the performance. No. Some bits were good, like when she was talking about her relationship with Kruger, you know, her backstory with Kruger. Oh. In the book, you didn't like. I, liked, I think you liked it more than I did. I liked I, the way I, she told the story. Okay. That was kind of my highlight, but for me, she 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 had moments like when she consoled Nancy in the bath, you know, in the bathroom because Nancy was calling out to her. Mm-hmm. You know, that again felt really natural for her putting the robe on her and then the towel as well. Yeah, that felt, that was, that was a nice There were flashes, but they were very few and far between. And yeah, but I think out of all the performances, hers is the most inconsistent, I think. Oh, 100%. And she's so unlikable. Oh, she's not likable at all. Yeah. Um, And I, and I was going to say inconsistent to a point where I feel like she was playing two different characters in this movie. Because earlier on, Marge is kind of 
the 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 protective mother the you know mm. like who just wants the best for her daughter and and is trying to look after her considering you know i like the fact that they you know established that nancy's parents are divorced mm. and there's a whole issue thing going on there and but marge is like i don't know she's just this basic kind of one note mum not really delivering the dialogue completely like ronnie blakely is just i don't know there's just again similar to heather langenkamp mm. the fact that the face and the dialogue don't match yeah there's just something about the look on her face while she's speaking that just doesn't connect with you yeah and then later in the film you know when she starts to realize the whole you know mm. the fact that nancy's mentioning fred krueger and the hat and stuff and like I, I really didn't like the scene. That scene where, um, when Nancy and and Marge are having that kind of discussion, and and Nancy's like yelling at her mum, and yeah, and half-assed throws the hat at her and yeah. walks away like that. I hated that whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then she starts drinking out of nowhere, and then at the end of the movie, she's like, "I'm going to quit drinking," but yeah. we'll get to the end later. Yes, because we have things to say. We absolutely do about that. <laughs> that ending. That ending. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, she just and then when she was telling the story, like you you said, like mm. that was your the one. I time. liked it, yeah. Yeah, but for me, for me, I, I mean, yeah, I think it probably was the the best moment for her in the movie. But that's not saying but much. Not for you know, yeah, not for me. Yeah. yeah, she just didn't fully. I don't know. I just didn't. I hated the way she was like, "Mommy killed Fred Krueger" or something, whatever the line was. Yeah, like, I don't know. She just didn't work for me. Yeah, there's not. It doesn't seem like you're right. There's not a consistency, I suppose, in the performance because there really isn't a consistency in the character. No. And I feel like to understand motivations, you have to work the hardest for Nancy's mum. Mm. And I think, like, I and I, I haven't read too deeply into this film or the characters, but. I suppose that as the days and nights go on and Nancy is getting more and more intense mm. and more vocal and determined to find Fred Krueger, mm. to pull him into the real world, to arrest him, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. The parallel storyline is that her mother goes deeper and deeper into alcoholism. And I guess it's because the past is really surfacing mm. for her. Yeah. I feel like you have to do a lot of work to get there. You do though. well, yeah, because I feel like if we'd had maybe one extra scene, yeah, of just of her on her own, of Marge kind of contemplating, yes, maybe pull out a you know get her to pull out an old newspaper clip, absolutely about Fred Krueger trial or something. And you know what? That's one of the most <clears throat> used cliches in the oh, horror movie book, but. It is. It's shorthand that works. Exactly. Right? It's a cliche for a reason. Yeah, exactly. No, and, and, it, and it works. We've yeah. seen it in other horror movies, oh, and yeah. we're okay with it. And we're because okay with it. it, it look, you can have a moment that'll last for three seconds, mm-hmm. or you can do a full-on scene that'll just say the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. And my theory about, about Marge, I have no idea if that was the intention. This is just what I'm sort of piecing together of course and it took a lot of work to get there yeah no you're right and i don't even and even doing that work it doesn't make me any more sympathetic towards her and it doesn't actually make me like her anymore no you know no no because i mean while whilst you can understand why the the parents of the community would have been so outraged Mm. but then i was wondering too just in terms of the timeline of things like if 
I'm guessing this the these events must have taken place when Nancy was very little and wouldn't remember or know anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm guessing. Or maybe even <clears throat> before they were born. Who knows? Or maybe, yeah. Who but knows? the fact that she, I don't know, it was like she referred to herself as being one of the parents. Yeah, that's Just, true. That's, so the kids would have been really young. So what, maybe yeah. maybe 10 years ago? They're teenagers or 15? Yeah. So it's weird yeah. to me that Nancy doesn't, like, there's this nursery rhyme. Mm. and But then Nancy doesn't, like, know about Fred Krueger. Like, it's been yeah. swept under the rug. And maybe it has. Maybe this community is just kind of, you know, the police are probably very well aware considering, you know, Nancy's dad is a, is a lieutenant. Yeah. Uh, they're probably very well aware of what the parents did, you know, to, to Fred Krueger. He might have been one of them. And he may, it probably was. He may have been a part of that lynch mob. He probably was. And so they're probably willing to just let it slide for the sake of justice. Which I guess then you can understand why yeah. the kids don't know about him. Yeah. Because why would you talk about it? Why yeah. would you acknowledge so it? So that makes sense. So yeah. yeah, when you kind of have to... But then again, you're doing the work a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't really... Like, you can... Again, you can understand why mm. she would be a part of that, but you don't... You don't really feel sorry for her in any kind of way. Like No, you know, I found her annoying. Yeah. As the film went on, she just got more and more annoying. For yeah, me. especially when she, you know she just went weird after like you know Nancy comes home and the there's bars on the windows yeah. and then she's trying to get out and the door's locked and she walks up to her mum and Marge is on the couch just out bruised out of her mind yeah. and just kind of talking to the point of almost laughing about like I don't have the key I don't know where it is yeah I'm like what is this who is this person like I know alcoholism does change you mm. in ways. But it's just so black and white from the, the where she started to where she got to. I feel like I Nancy's father, Lieutenant Don <laughs> Thompson, Lieutenant Don, yes. is a lot better fleshed out, is a lot oh, better yeah. written. Mm-hmm. Um, and John Saxon is amazing as he mm. was a, like, he's a, a solid actor in whatever you see him in anyway. Yeah, he was very good. Yeah, but I really liked him and I believed him. I believed mm. everything in terms of his motivations. Yeah. And I wonder if... They wrote the film to have Nancy and just her dad, a single parent household. Yes, you'd have to retweak a few things, but if you eliminated her mother altogether mm. and had even the father deliver that speech about daddy protected you, daddy killed Fred Krueger oh, for you. So much better. Especially you've then got that conflict because he is a man of the law. law. That would have been, if you could have explored that a bit instead Absolutely. of having Marge there giving all this exposition and, yeah. you know, I, I just, yeah, you could take her out of the movie mm. and it would be a better movie. I, I think. think so. I think so too. Which sucks because, you know, you don't want to say that about, well, A, something Wes Craven created. Yeah, exactly. But, like, you know, with just being fair, fair and all, I just yeah. feel, I feel like, yeah, if she, yeah, if she, they had have worded it differently yeah. or taken her away and given, like, that's a really good point. If yeah. given her, her father more agency in the film, more time in the film. And yeah, because I really liked him. I liked what he was doing throughout the movie. Yeah. You know, he's got his job to do, but he wants to protect his daughter as well. You know, they've, they've got that slight fight because... He uses her to get Rod, yeah. uh, you know, and, and the funny thing is that, you know, she was angry at him, but still called him daddy. <laughs> that yeah. says a lot that she's obviously a lot closer to him and with him as and well. And you get that vibe, I think, throughout the movie, like, Absolutely. especially the moment after Glenn's 
died mm. uh, she's up in the window and and mm. she waved like or he sees her and he waves and yeah. then she waves back even though you know boyfriend just died yeah you know but you can see that they have that connection and closeness absolutely in, in that way yeah. yeah and this is the thing i think again because i i, I want to applaud and commend craven for really wanting to give some depth to the marge character because let's be honest generally in movies like these the parents are just background characters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here they're a lot more involved. At least mm. Nancy's parents are, right? Mm. So I give him a lot of credit. Yeah. I just think it's a misstep. Yeah. With that particular character. I agree. And whilst, you know, we agree that the film would have been better without her altogether and mm. put more focus onto the father, I feel like that it could still work with her in it. Yeah. But just more subtlety. I yeah, think. yeah. And I think if she yeah. was slowly feeling the burden of the past, it could have been expressed differently. Mm, I, I agree. think. Yep. Yeah. So 100%. yeah, I kind of yeah agree agree with you on mm. that one as yep. well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But look, we've got a mixed bag of characters here, <laughs> and some look some pretty standout performances mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. But the performance we pay our money to see. Is the special effects. Yes. (laughs) Right? Yes. So, Kendall, your favorite kill or practical effect? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Now, I knew this question was coming. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Look, I'll be honest. My favorite kill? Easy. Yeah. You know, in some some (laughs) scary movies, you go, oh, this was good. This was good. For me, one standout. But go on. Amazing. No, I look, for me, I was was coming into it and thinking... I reckon I reckon Glenn's mm. kill is probably going to be my favorite. But then when we started talking about, again about Tina's death and yeah. how well that was executed, oh yeah, they're both very very good. I yeah. like them both for different reasons. You know, I mean they're both very bloody and they both use practical effects to just the town to mount yeah. you know, just peak of, of of what you could do back then, mm. and that's it's so impressive. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like I, I'm I gotta give it to to Glenn. Okay. Just because <laughs> his death is a bit of a jump scare. Yeah. Like because you know you hear the TV say where or the radio whatever he's listening yeah. to is switching off because midnight. Yeah. And not broadcasting, and then you just go straight from that into he's being pulled into the bed. Yeah. Like it's that's it's insane. so it's so well made. It's very well made. I love the practical effects in this movie. Mm. Just insanely good that's great and then the fact that the the gushing of the blood is just mm. so drawn out it's just and the music is 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 flaring up and just really going for it and then uh, the other thing is just the fact that when you know you you, you want you're wondering if they're building up to a reveal of whatever's left yeah right true you know because all the cops are there and the coroner's there and you even hear the you know the emts commenting about how you know we need a mop not yes. a body bag like what are oh, we doing that says a lot doesn't it that doesn't it paints such a gory it does a wonderfully gory it visual does. image exactly right and so you get up to the you know nancy's father and, and his partner you know up there and he gets a look and he sells it with his face yeah and i love when movies especially horror films back in the day like this one mm. when they go for the whole you know less is more yeah and kind of use the actors use the script to sell how 
bad it is. Yeah. Whereas a lot of filmmakers to ta- today like to show more than tell. Exactly. Because they can, because they've got the budget, they've that, got the yeah. technology to exactly. do it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like if, yeah, I need to rewatch the remake now just to, not to compare, but maybe just to see what choices were made because I've forgotten most of it. We'll get there. We will get there. We'll get there eventually. Eventually we will. But yeah, just, but I just love the fact that, yeah, that was, it was just so, and it was just, you know, an emotional weight. Although again, I do think Heather could have reacted a bit better to that. <laughs> you know, she was preoccupied <laughs> with other things. You know, I'm very preoccupied, that girl. She really, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, she doesn't have a good time, does she? No. No, no but Wayne, please tell me what your favorite kill is. Look, hands down, Tina's death. Tina, yeah. I knew you were going to say Tina. And I have to say, for the first death, yeah, it's it good. was, it did what it had to do. Mm. Because that first death gets you hooked. Yeah. Because yeah. it doesn't take that long to get there. We've got some, we've got a scary nightmare at the beginning of the film. Mm. Kids are discussing. There's that gorgeous transition from the girls playing jump rope, singing that haunting tune. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> and then we pan over and we're in the real world now. And mm. then the kids walk out mm, mm-hmm. and our teenagers walk out and, where the kids were playing jump rope. It's just the school front yeah, grounds. It's yeah. so beautifully it's, done. It's very we well done. We get this build up <laughs> and then Tina dies in the most violent and horrific way. Yeah. She's not just sliced open. No, no. is thrown to the wall. Yeah. Then she's thrown up the wall mm. across the ceiling. And all the while you've got Rod screaming out. There's such a wonderful emphasis mm. on the terror. And mm. for me, because that's the first kill, it makes such an impact. It does. The others are well done. Oh yeah. 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 Even rods, which yeah. is, you know, doesn't really have any blood or anything. No, it's, it's, no. It's, it's a hanging, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's creepy. It's, it's very subtle. Ominous, yeah. It's, it, you know, it's, you know, will he wake up in time because mm-hmm. his eyes drift, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and compared to, horror movie deaths it's very subtle mm. but it's still effective and and of course glenn's death is another return to <laughs> excess blood and yeah. so forth and then there's a lot of other injuries and, and bumps and bruises for lack mm. of a better word mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, along the way right mm-hmm. but for me tina's is just they yeah. just go all out all on out, it yeah. to say this is where we're at yeah yes yeah. is this is the violence and the menace. Yeah. And if I want to also think about Jaws, which we referred to earlier, mm-hmm. the first death in that movie is also extremely violent. Mm. It's also a girl being thrown about a space, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. screaming and yeah. going up and under and so <laughs> forth, right? Yeah. And it's so aggressive. Yeah. Then a lot of the other deaths are scary in that movie, but they're a lot more subtle Yeah. until you get to the third act. It, of course, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I feel yeah. like that this film sort of does something quite similar. Yeah. For me, it doesn't reach the, the high for, again, lack of a better word, because <laughs> I don't want to come across as that I'm enjoying seeing these kids suffer. <laughs> no, of course. But, you know, but in terms of, of genre convention, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a roller coaster, right? You get your highs and lows, your ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, Tina's Tina's death for me is just this pinnacle of terror yeah, yeah. that the film doesn't reach again. I think you yeah. disagree with me. Though. Well, I mean, no, I, I mean, I think <laughs> I don't think I disagree with you. I think I, I think I hundred percent agree with you. 
it sets the tone mm. for the film yeah. superbly well. And it's funny that you mentioned Jaws because yeah. I was going to mention Poltergeist. Right, yeah. Because I was like, I wonder if Wes Craven watched Poltergeist. I'm sure he did. Yeah. Because uh, that's an absolute classic. Such a great film. But just that moment when she goes up on the ceiling. So it's like, yeah. it's like I'm going to take that and then just rain it in blood. Like, yes. Just, and just up the ante. Oh, so effective. It's super effective. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, look, Glenn's death is definitely... Definitely creepy and 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 upsetting and stuff as well. But yeah, yeah, but the way the way Tina's death is used to to demonstrate Freddy's powers in this in this world is just is stunning. There yeah is so much mm. violence. Mm in it that it makes it really scary. Mm-hmm. But likewise Glenn's is the same. Mm. Instead of him being like sort of thrown up to the ceiling, he's pulled, pulled into down. the bed, right? Exactly. So they're almost mirror they're, they're opposite, you yeah, know, yeah. uh one another. Mm-hmm. They they complement one another they really do. as bookends. Yeah. That's true because so, he's, he's the last death. He is, yeah. 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 And so there aren't a lot of kills throughout the film, no, but no. Craven makes them count. He does. And there is a lot of taunting, mm. torment, and trauma mm-hmm. throughout the film. And I think all of these real key scenes are elevated by the score. Yeah. So Charles Bernstein did the score. Uh, mm-hmm. Any particular thoughts on the, how music was used in, in this film? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I liked it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's very... It's very dated music because mm-hmm. you can... You it's know, of its time. It's very of its time. Like it, it very much reminds you, if you weren't aware, you're watching an 80s horror film. Yeah. Because they use synthesizers and electronic kind of sounds that have like creepy melodies to mm. them to really just set the tone. And and yeah, so it's a, it's a super effective score. I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's used, you know the way it should be used to, to just really heighten and mm. and raise the tension and, and get you get you on the edge of your seat and throw you into the moment. So it's, yeah, I, I liked it. Yeah. I think one element where it's effective is the ending mm. because it's mm-hmm. lulling us into a sense of safety and, yeah. and serenity. Mm-hmm. Kendall, <laughs> you're... Your thoughts on the ending of A Nightmare on Elm Street, yay or nay? Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I can't give a straight up yay or nay right no. off the bat. I have to explain things first. Yeah. I, it's, um, it's not one that you can just easily go yes or no to, I think, no, though, I have to say. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Confusing mm-hmm. is, is the main word I'm getting. Yeah. I kind of get what Craven's going for with it, though. Mm-hmm. Like, just like making us think as you said you know false sense of security like it's fine like we saw freddy you know dissipate because you know nancy took away his power yeah. over, over her and over them so they're free it's fine yeah. what did and- you think of that sorry to begin with was it yeah. too easy to um, defeat the monster well it was kind of it was kind of annoying because you know it's glenn that first mentions that idea it's glenn plants the seed yeah he plants the seed and it's in terms of storytelling super effective to you know set something up and then use it later on you'd have to otherwise it wouldn't make any sense exactly you'd be right. like, okay where, where did why, this come from yeah. yeah why mention it so yeah perfect but just weird that i mean i guess glenn is glenn but like he seemed to be really into that idea of mm. taking away its power and that belief so the fact that he succumbed to freddie yeah 
is weird, but then again, we don't see... The one thing I would have loved to have seen is the dream from... Or the nightmare, I should say. Yeah. From from Glenn's perspective, you know, because we only get the outside perspective of him on the bed and then yeah. waking up as he kind of yeah. is, is, you know, brought under. But it's his first um, encounter with Freddy, isn't it? Very true. Yeah. They, yeah. We, we, don't, we don't really hear much about him on the because Freddy front. he doesn't really say that he'd had a nightmare. We only <laughs> no. get it from Nancy, Tina and, and Rod. Rod. So yeah. I guess there is that convenience <laughs> there is <laughs> you know there that is. uh you know like um if glenn had been suffering mm. from freddie's traumas mm-hmm. and taunts before then he would have just defeated him himself that's true so that makes a lot of sense so yeah. i guess it's also why glenn seems to have the coolest head amongst everyone no that yeah that's yeah. true because he hasn't been through with the rest of them yeah have, and so. then he obviously has that you know if he's talking about how other cultures deal with dreams and what mm, they mean. There's mm-hmm. obviously a sense of spirituality there. Yeah. Again, yeah, add yeah. a depth to what would just normally be this jock. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. So, and that's, that's wonderful to see. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say it's convenient, but it makes sense enough to me that I think you can override the convenience. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it doesn't bother me, mind you. No, no. Like I'm not offended by it and no. I don't even, I, I, it's not lazy or anything. I think no. it works for the story. Especially when they established just beforehand that, you know, she lit him on fire and he didn't die. Yeah, exactly. So I've, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. So just interesting, like the way, you know, she's able to bring him out mm. and then I just really, I need to know why the choice was made to have her open the door and you're wondering, is Marge dead? Yeah. What's happening? Like, and the dad just was there and now he's left to go do whatever cop things. And, and yeah. And I'm like, okay, so, and she's, uh, Nancy's leaving and, Mm. and she opens the door and we cut straight away to her different hair different outfit it's daytime yeah it's like you know we've had we've lost some time here mm. um which you know is fine but it just i it, for me it wasn't played like a a time jump it was played like a seamless like we're going from one room to the next so if that makes sense it does make sense yeah. so let me ask you this then mm. the way that nancy defeats kruger mm. up, you know up to that point mm-hmm. she says you know i'm not giving you any more power. Mm. And she essentially demands that she wants her friends back and she wants everyone back. Yeah. So then her sort of like, yes, there is sort of like a time, time jump. Yeah. But the fact that she then, tra- you know, the transition is she opens the door to leave and mm. it's actually the front door and mom is there and her mom is no longer drinking. So she's got her mom back. Her yeah. friends are waiting in the car. Her friends are back. Yeah. So, but that line wasn't enough for you to make that connection. No, especially, well, especially because she comments on the fact that it's, it's daylight now. Yeah. It's light and stuff. So it doesn't really, it feels like she's, she's come from somewhere and she's suddenly here and she's not aware of what's transpired. Yeah, that's fair. It really, that, otherwise I feel why put that line in there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's true. That's true. So it kind of adds to the confusion of, of the ending. Yeah. I think quite a bit. And just the way that Marge is, is, is there. And like, it's nice to see like that. She she was okay in that last like little scene for most of it. (laughs) Most. Yeah. A little bit. She had like what? Two lines. I know. (laughs) And then she was done and it was great. Um, Yeah. No. So you love the ending then, no? <laughs> uh, yeah. No. So yeah. I don't know. And then 
you know, everyone's there and I'm like, okay. And because you know, the other thing that caught me off guard mm. about this scene straight up was the fact that it was shrouded in, in, in smoke, in mist. Yes, there's that fog there. With, yeah, fog and it's, it's you know, it's white mm-hmm. and you're like, okay. And it, because everyone's there and around, I'm like, all right. So she's either asleep mm-hmm. <laughs> or she's dead and this is heaven right or something like that's kind of but this is not reality no like no straight away you knew straight away and it's weird that after what nancy's just been through even though she must have convinced herself so wholeheartedly that she defeated freddy krueger that she didn't question it yeah that her mum was there and she was the best she'd been forever. She mm. even mentions the fact that she's all rested and slept and yeah. she's going to give up drinking and all that stuff. And then her friends are just alive in the car. Yeah. And it's, and she's like, it's just a normal day, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. And then, <laughs> and then the top closes on the convertible and then you notice the stripes instantly. Yeah. You're like, okay. Did you like the reaction of the kids when the top fell? Yeah, yeah, it was it was fine. It was genuine. They didn't know. Yeah. So they knew that the <laughs> the the roof would would, would, would go, the top up, would, would, would close. Kinda... They knew it was going to close. Yeah, but it closed more aggressively than they thought. It, did. <laughs> it's quite, okay. it was very sudden, and they weren't expecting it to be that abrupt. Abrupt. I, suppose. I yeah. love that. <laughs> so it caught them off guard, and they were reacted yeah, perfectly. Kept on going. Yeah. I love I love that so much. But you're right. We've got. Red and green stripes. And the red and dr- red and green stripes on the car. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> and they're all panicking and freaking out because the windows are going up mm-hmm. and they're stuck in the car. And dear old Marge is just, I'm gonna do the creepy, <laughs> creepy smile and wave. Bye, everyone. Yeah. You know. And yeah. And then they drive away. <laughs> and then they're all screaming and stuff. And then you're like, okay, for, all right. Freddie's clearly come back and, and somehow got, I don't know if this is what part, any part of this is real. If they're like alive in his dream world or something, or if, yeah. Or if this is just Nancy's dream mm. and then, you know, the kids are skipping and singing and stuff. And then, uh, and then, <laughs> and then Freddie's behind Marge and pulls her through <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> and it's the, and it's so funny because I've seen that little clip before yeah. in a list of like, terrible actual terrible practical effects use yeah. the fact that she's pulled through and it's so obviously a mannequin or, <laughs> or a dummy of some kind through a very little window through a very little window yeah. like yeah yeah so yeah look and then it just you know and then we're done but i'm i'm just it's just weird it's a weird like i get again i get what mm. what they were going for with the whole like you know clearly freddie's still alive yeah um but it's just, it's such a weird transition for me from the previous scene to this one. Mm-hmm. And then just, just the entire thing just makes no sense to me. But I'm guess, you know, obviously Nancy's fallen asleep and this is now, and Freddie's w- was waiting for her and this is how he's attacked. But yeah, it would appear so that even yeah. after she's defeated him, yeah. she's then gone to sleep. Yeah. And the dream begins when she exits the house and we've got all that mist and fog yeah and then that's the dream yeah and that that's the best way that i can interpret it yeah yeah and as a general rule i'm not a fan of this ending no i I, I don't know if i like it either I, i i don't particularly like it yeah i'm not the only one who doesn't like it Mm -hmm. Wes craven didn't like it but it's his movie. It's his movie. Was this someone interfering? 
as is usually the case. So this was not the original ending he wrote. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. So in the original script, we've got Nancy killing Kruger. Uh So she's ceasing to believe in him. Yep. Done. Then she awakes to discover that everything that happened in the movie was an elongated nightmare. So the whole movie was a nightmare. Oh, wow. She then says goodbye to her mother and drives off to school with her friends. And that's it? End of movie. Okay, I can get on board with that. But they were like, no, this isn't punchy enough. Yeah. So producer Robert Shea, he wanted a twist ending that would leave the door open for a sequel. Mm -hmm. So he suggested fooling our audience into thinking that Freddy Krueger had been defeated and only to reveal that the final scene itself is actually a nightmare and then end the film with Freddy driving the car away from the house and the kids screaming. So we get a version of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Craven always hated the ending. Yeah. And he maintained that the film should have ended happily as he originally wrote it. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, we could have still had that happy ending and still could have had sequels. Yeah, totally. It doesn't take much to bring back a monster. No. <laughs> Right. And I feel like you could bring him back with very little explanation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I much like the sound of Craven's original ending. Me too. Even though one could argue you've spent 90 minutes watching this movie to go, oh, it was all a dream. Yeah. That's a can, lot of, yeah. Can sometimes feel like a bit of a cheat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But in saying that, it is a movie about nightmares. That's it. I was going to say, if you're going to have that trope in any movie, it makes sense for it to be in this film. Absolutely. And then anything goes. Then yeah. you sort of believe anything. And, you know, look, maybe they could have driven away, living happily ever after, and then maybe have just a little a little nod to the fact that, no, Kruger doesn't just exist in a dream, mm. that he actually was this thing, and that maybe he's still lurking about in a supernatural way you know yeah well that's that's the thing i was thinking of maybe still have this night like well either i don't know either have between the the her her killing freddie to you know walking through the door and Mm. into this nightmare like have a scene that sets up she's gone to bed yeah at least i know to ease that transition a bit better or even like Keep Wes Craven's original ending, mm. but then put the twist at the end and have her wake up at the end. Yeah. Like, don't, you know, you can, st- and that way you, you're, you're feeding both parties. Yeah. I think. Like, if you have it as, you think everything's fine and happy, which is what they do in the actual ending anyway. Yeah. But then, and then have the twist that Freddy's still going to get them, but then, like, have it in this way of, like, okay, so the whole thing was a dream, but that's right at the end. Yeah. And then maybe she looks down and she's got rips on her. Yeah. Something like that. Absolutely. She's like, okay, I now know how to fight this guy because I've done it in my dream or, you know, I can, you know, I've got some methods or some tactics. I'm that dream, that nightmare Mm -hmm. was like my training (laughs) to fight the real Freddy. You know, I don't know. Like it's, yeah, 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 I think there's a lot of different ways you can play with it. And you're right. Whilst usually waking up, Oh, it was all a dream is seen as a cheat Mm -hmm. on the audience. Mm -hmm. A film about nightmares and dreams. Yes. You can get away with. Uh, Yeah. So again, Overall, I'm not a fan of the ending. Yeah. I don't know if it spoils the overall movie for me. 
No, no, it doesn't, I don't think. But... It's just a bit of a misstep. I yeah, think. I think so. I think yeah. so too. Yeah. Yeah. But look, the film is different in terms of what mm. its contemporaries were offering. Yeah. And yeah. whilst it still had the the formula of slasher, mm-hmm. it played around with it a little bit. And we're not surprised. Wes Craven's brilliant mind is behind it. Mm-hmm. So how did audiences react mm. to a nightmare on Elm Street? Mm. Ready for some stats? Yes, tell yes. me. <laughs> so the budget was $1.1 million. Wow. And it took $57 million oh, at the box office. That's a big return. Absolutely. Wow. It received a limited theatrical release on the 9th of November, 1984, and it opened in only 165 cinemas across the United States. Wow. But the film managed to surpass its production expenses during its opening weekend. <gasps> Whoa, that's impressive. Taking $1.2 million. Oof. Because of this, New Line Cinema was saved from bankruptcy by the success of this film and is often referred to as the house that Freddie built. <laughs> Without a nightmare in Elm Street, we might not have New Line Cinema. Yeah, and that's insane considering what New Line Cinema has gone on to, to produce now. Yeah, Oof. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So as of this recording, the film has a score of 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh. It rates 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, wow. 76% on Metacritic, and 90% of Google users have given it the thumbs up. My word. But of course, Kendall, mm. your thoughts and final score out of five are all that matter. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, those those stats are fantastic. And I'm so su- not entirely surprised, but kind of surprised a little that the, the, the reviewing kind of rating scores there are as high as they are. Mm. I was not expecting that. Mm. That's that's great. Yeah, look, I really enjoyed this movie. Again, I'm so glad to have finally watched it and experienced it. It's super creative. It's super wonderful. Uh, as you mentioned, it's just such a, a, a cool take on the slasher genre, mm. just putting a different skin on it and using just the use of practical effects was just genius for me. Like the kills were so... Mm so striking and effective and 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 just yeah a joy to witness (laughs) if you can say that yeah absolutely my god we've been ragging on these poor kids and them dying the entire time yeah i mean look the acting across the board again inconsistent from most of the cast uh, but you know not from not from johnny depp not at all uh he was brilliant his his uh, big screen debut but you know, it, it, the the performances didn't ruin the film in any in any sense at all, uh, because you know the for the most part the writing is super solid, the direction is is great. Mm. Like Wes Craven has such an eye for horror and and just telling stories in general and and the way he uses the the camera to 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 get certain shots and to affect certain scares and reactions in his viewers it's just it's you know very few people can do it like he could do it back in the day so yeah so this is just i really can see why it became such like freddie became Mm -hmm. such an iconic legend and you know of course robert england is a huge part of, of of that iconic status so um yeah scoring this one i hate scoring (laughs) i usually like scoring things but i just i want to be fair and accurate in my representation of what i think i all right i'm gonna give it a three and a half out of five Mm -hmm. yes well i have to say that 
A Nightmare on Elm Street is a pretty solid introduction of a character who is incredibly recognisable. So I didn't grow up with A Nightmare on Elm Street, but I grew up knowing Freddy Mm Krueger. And because I would see that face, I was too scared to watch these films. (laughs) (laughs) Don't blame you. Until I was in my late teens and uh, didn't sit to to watch the the franchise until I was in my 20s and maybe even early 30s, really. (laughs) That's when I was brave enough to watch (laughs) A Nightmare on Elm Street. (laughs) I think this film is a pretty solid entry. I think the production values are pretty good mm. considering the budget yep. and the yep. practical effects. I have to say I really like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, like the use of camera trickery, of makeup, of gore effects, of screens and so forth. And I think the reason why a lot of these effects work is that even though we do have some inconsistent acting almost across the board, mm. the Actors step up to the plate when it really counts, I think. Yeah, true. Um, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about some of the visual effects and, and the kills and so forth. Um, they're just so well done. And these are the moments that really sell the picture. Yeah. And I think you feel the excitement, the fear. You get the reward of why you're putting yourself through a scary story. Yeah. Uh, through, through the kills. There aren't many of them, no, but they're done so well and so much attention to detail. I have to say the same thing about the makeup on mm. Robert England with Freddy Krueger's mm. look. Absolutely. It is terrifying and it is <laughs> yeah. so well done. Yeah. One of the things I found interesting, and I don't think I was seeing it incorrectly, but uh, whenever they would have a close-up on his hands... It didn't look like his hands were burnt or scarred. And for me, that doesn't quite make sense, mm. especially because his face and we can see bits of his chest yeah. are burnt. Yeah, yeah. And just as a normal reaction to when something is hitting your face, oh, you're gonna, like flames, yeah. you always put your hands up to protect your eyes yeah. and face. Yeah. So the fact that it looked like his palms were just unblemished mm. took me out of it a little bit okay fair enough when i when i noticed this yeah okay uh, i'll have to watch better a closer next time yeah but that's it's, it's a minor critique on yeah. the overall look of yeah. freddie okay freddie's look isn't quite nailed yet no it's going to change a little bit mm-hmm. as the films go on his jumper particularly will have a bit of an alteration as well. Okay. Yeah, so his sleeves are a solid colour in this movie. Uh, and yes. they'll become striped later on. Yes, yes, true. Yeah, so they're, they're still going to sort of tinker with him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see how that character develops and how he gets a lot more personality as, as, mm. he, as he goes along. Mm-hmm. But you can only do that if you have a solid foundation. And I think Wes Craven delivers mm-hmm. that with A Nightmare on Elm Street. Definitely. It's not a perfect movie. No. As we've said, some of the performances, I think, distract a little bit. And some of the characters, namely Marge Thompson, distract in a big way because yeah. they're just... They feel quite unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a bit of issues with the pacing of the film. Me too, actually. As, as yeah. it went along. Mm. Um, normally, you would hope that when the kids are really wised up 
to what's going on Mm -hmm. that we then escalate, escalate, escalate. But Mm -hmm. it sort of runs a bit hot and cold Mm -hmm. for me. Um, That can work sometimes because the stakes are always high, as we've said, but I'm not always on edge in that third act. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. But again, overall, Wes Craven hands in good work. Mm Mm-hmm. I wanted to enjoy this a lot more than I did, though. I'm not going to lie. That's fair, yeah. But in saying that, overall, it's a pretty solid entry and beginning of a formidable franchise in the horror (laughs) genre. So for me, Nightmare on Elm Street gets four stars. Okay, nice. Well, Freddy has to come back, right? (laughs) Because the ending told us he hasn't been defeated. He's still there. Yeah. I think we're going to have a really interesting discussion next time we're on Elm Street, Kendall. Yeah, I think so. Because what I know of the franchise, the next film is quite contentious. Oh. And it doesn't take long for this series to get contentious. (laughs) Yeah, wow. (laughs) So I can't wait to go back to Elm Street with you. Absolutely. So until then, Mm. I've been a Wayne Stellini. I've been a Kendall Richardson. And you've just experienced Fred Fred Watch. Watch. Music. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> can't sing the rest. You can't do the rest? It's A, creepy, and B, cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> scary, though. It's scary. scary. A little scary, yeah. Let's go back to Crystal Lake, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Let's go back to Crystal let's, Lake. Let's, let's, let's. <laughs> no nightmares there. <laughs> And scene. Blooper reel. It's a nightmare in Elm Street. <laughs> great segue. Oh, it was a great discussion. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Remind me. I'll show you the cover of your... <laughs> Yes. Oh my god. I, I just wet myself when I saw this thing in it because it's not like a, it wasn't in a mainstream shop. It's in a specialty DVD store because it's like an American yeah. Um, copy. Yeah. I can't believe you actually have a copy of it. That's insane. Yeah. Well, it's paid like I think forty bucks for it, <laughs> but I was just like, it's too rare. I actually have yeah. it on VHS taped off TV. Oh bless. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. Paul wanted it taped. You know, we were all really young because he thought it was a He-Man movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> by your description. Yeah. <laughs> they learn that he is the deceased child murderer Fred Krueger, Robert England, and that their dreamlike injuries translate to real life. Nancy and her friends must kill Fred before they become. The... No, that's not right. She's the one who has to do it. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. Um, I'll just go Nancy. Nancy must, must kill, kill Fred, Fred before she comes. Maybe to his... stop to stop him once and for all. To stop him once and yeah. for all, yeah. Very cliche, but it doesn't matter. No, well, yeah. we're dealing in, in, <laughs> in yeah. horror. It's it's the cliche genre. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if I should actually start again because Nick Corey mm. um, goes by a different name. So that was the name he used early on in his career. Oh, okay. Um, because he's Latino, so he had an anglicized name. Uh... Um, and I've got his real name here as well. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. If you if you want to use his, his his proper name, then yeah. I'm totally supportive of that. Yeah. I'll go. I'll say his actual name and mm-hmm. then say what he was credited as. Yeah. I might just start from the top. Absolutely fine. Yeah. 
they learn that he's the deceased child murderer, Fred Krueger, Robert England, and that... <clears throat> so the fact that he's virtually inescapable, mm. and just as a general idea going into it, is, is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It's a definitely interesting... It's an interesting take yeah. on... Let's try again. No, you're right, you're right. Well, Wes Craven first came up with the premise from a series of articles in the Los Angeles Times and that were... Let's try again. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Not enough caffeine. <laughs> yeah. You're okay. Yeah. Take your time. Well, Wes Craven's discussed, you know, what... Um, that these men had not died from heart failure, but had simply died. It was this inability... So Wes Craven named the character after a schoolmate. <clears throat> and we have the incredible... Yes. So, yeah, she's she's an interesting one. <laughs> well, look, off the bat, I don't know about your thoughts on, um, on Ronnie Blake... Blakely, yeah. Yeah, Ronnie Blakely, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, Marge is like, you know, just... New Line Cinema was saved from bankruptcy and the success of the film has led A Nightmare on Elm Street... Ugh, let's start it again. Yeah, you're right. 